chapters that we're looking at. Verse 1, if you have that, say praise the Lord. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. His feet were as the feet of a bear, his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? There was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. He spake as a dragon. He exercised all the power of the first beast before him. And he causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he it had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today for your word. Dear Lord God, give us understanding. We pray for a spirit of revelation, God. Lord, we thank you for your grace and power today to keep us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, 
Amen. And you may be seated this morning. Revelation chapter 13. We have in this particular chapter, we have got two beasts and we've got an image to the beast. The Bible talks about the first beast comes up out of the sea. The second beast comes up out of the land. And then it talks about that second beast makes an image to the first beast. But the central verse that you really need to get a hold of in this passage is not so much these beasts that are coming up that are going to come in the future. They are in the Bible. But what God wants you to really focus on and the attention you should place upon this passage is found in verse 10. If you would look at that, please. This is extremely important for you. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Post-tribulational rapture of the church will find the church in this time called the Great Tribulation Period. It is the last three and a half years of the Tribulation Period. The Bible calls the Great Tribulation. We talked about that last week. The church of the living God will not be pre-tribulationally raptured out of this world. As so many preachers preach, for years I was pre-tribulational until I got the truth. Amen. The Bible is very, very clear that the saints will be in the tribulation period. Some people like to designate the tribulation saints versus the, and as a difference between the church and those who will be here at that time. But I believe that we have established pretty strongly throughout the book of Revelation that the church is going to be here. And it's not going out until the parousia of Christ or the coming of the Lord and that the parousia of Christ, the Antichrist, is destroyed, this beast that we're going to study here. And so the parousia of Christ, the Bible tells us, is his coming for the church and at the same time he destroys the Antichrist. And you with me here? Second Thessalonians 2 will let you know that. That the coming of the Lord will be when the church is gathered to him. And at the same time, at his parousia, verse 8, 2 Thessalonians 2, 8, it tells us that's when he destroys this beast we'll be studying here today. And it's, those events are post-tribulational. They are not separated by seven years. You don't have one parousia of Christ or one coming of the Lord for the church pre-tribulation. And then one parousia of Christ at the end of the tribulation period when he destroys the Antichrist. The parousia of Christ is the same event. It's the coming of the Lord when he gathers the church and he destroys the Antichrist. So in Revelation chapter 13, then God tells the saints something very, very important in the light of the fact that you will be there. If you are and we are living in the time of the end which will see the tribulation period come into this world, the church will be here. I believe that with all my heart. If you don't believe that, then all I can say is just study for yourself. You don't have to believe it like I believe it, but uh, I'm pretty much persuaded that this is the truth, all right? Now, with that understanding, verse 10 is the key verse, you know. We like to get caught up in Antichrist and uh, the false prophet and the mark of the beast as a church, right? And we want to learn about the Antichrist and the false prophet and the mark of the beast, and we will. 
But what I feel the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost telling me is to emphasize to you today, not so much these beasts, but what their motive is. And their motivation is to get the followers of God to depart from the true God. That is their purpose. And so God says that there has to be patience. There has to be endurance on our part. We're going to have to endure 42 months if we're that generation that will see this. We'll have to endure, be patient during 42 months, the last three and a half years of the tribulation period when the Antichrist and the false prophet and the image of the beast are, are taking place. You're going to have to be patient concerning the 42 months. You're going to have to be patient because the Bible says that God gives this Antichrist power to overcome the saints. To overcome the saints. So you're going to have to endure this power that has been given him by God to overcome the saints. Persecution. Now what you need to understand is this last three and a half years that we've been looking at is not the wrath of God worldwide. And although the church is going to have to endure the persecution of the Antichrist and that last 42, and a half, uh, 42 months uh, just before the coming of the Lord, we're going to have to endure that persecution. We're not promised that we would not be persecuted under Antichrist. Never are we promised that. We are promised that God will keep us from the wrath to come. But the last three and a half years, in fact, the whole seven-year tribulation period is not the worldwide wrath of God. The last three and a half years of the tribulation period, when you look through the Word of God, when you talk about the wrath of God in connection with the last three and a half years of the tribulation period, the wrath of God in that context is always on and never beyond that, beyond Israel. Are you with me? But when you talk about the day of the Lord... You talk about, and that's after the tribulation period. The day of the Lord is after the tribulation period. And we established that last week. Do you believe that? We saw things that will happen after the tribulation period, but before the day of the Lord. We found out that that day of the Lord, which is post-tribulational, is His worldwide wrath upon nations. But this three and a half year tribulation period is not the worldwide wrath of God. But it's just upon Israel. Just Jerusalem. It's called Jacob's trouble. That doesn't mean though that the rest of the world is not going to be affected by the events that are taking place here. You understand that? The church, I believe worldwide, is going to be persecuted by the Antichrist. And so it's very important for us to get the key verse in this chapter. And that is God is warning the saints. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killed with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. But he's not just talking about being patient in captivity. And he's not talking about being patient just in the, the, the word which says that, you know, if you uh, kill by the sword, you'll be killed by the sword. It's not that one little area that he's talking about being patient about. Does that make sense to you? When I used to read verse 10, I used to think, Lord, what are you saying when you, when you tell us here in verse 10, he that leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He that kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. And then you say, here is the patience and the faith of the saints. 
Well, he's talking about not just uh, this one verse. He's talking about everything previous to that and everything after that. He's talking about the need to be patient in connection with this beast coming up out of the sea and this beast coming up out of the earth and the image of the beast and the mark of the beast that's going to be uh, going on at that time with persecution. That's what? The whole thing. You're going to have to endure this 42-month period of Antichrist persecution where he has power to overcome the saints. You're going to have to endure that. Do you understand? To be patient in connection with this, everything that's going on in this chapter. Not just be patient if you get captured. All right? Not just be endure in the sense that, you know, there's going to be people going to be killed with a sword, and if you kill with a sword, uh, if you kill with a sword, you'll be killed by the sword. It's more than just that. It's the whole chapter that he's talking to the saints about. Okay, now watch. When you talk about these beasts, and again, introduction this morning, we see in verse 1, I stood upon, are you getting this? You need this so desperately. The reason why a lot of times the focus is upon the Antichrist and the false prophet, mark of the beast and the image of the beast, why the church preaches that more or focuses on that more than verse 10 is because they don't believe they're going to be here. But if you believe you're going to be here during that time, if you make it, if you are alive during this time called the Great Tribulation, then the focus for you will be verse 10, I assure you. I assure you that if you find yourself in that time, that you will want to hear what verse 10 said to you. If you find yourself in this time, then you will want to know what the Antichrist is doing, know what the false prophet's doing in relationship to your salvation. If you're not here, don't worry about having patience and enduring that time because you're out of here pre-tribulationally. But if you're going to be here through the tribulation period, then this verse is going to be very important to you. If you find yourself in a cave somewhere or wherever you might find yourself, you're sure going to want to know what I'm telling you here right now. If you find yourself in jail somewhere, captured in a prisoner in, in, in jail somewhere, you're going to know what I'm telling you right now. But if you're not going to be here, then don't worry about having patience and endurance because you're out of here. You're, you know, you're saved from this time. We will be protected from the wrath of God, but we are not promised to be delivered from the time of the Antichrist. Okay, y'all with me up to this point? So we're going to focus on that. And I'm going to show you how that these two beasts are counterfeits to the two witnesses that we saw in Revelation chapter 11. You've got two true faithful witnesses of God. And then you've got two false beasts here in Revelation. And they are just the opposite of each other. Which this verse, verse 10, again, is the focus is upon the saints. Because there is going to be great deception. And a drawing from the people of God. Postates. That are going to join the Antichrist. And a lot of them because they believe in the pre-tribulation or rapture. And because it did not happen. They say my Lord delays his coming. 
because they thought it was pre-tribulation or they say the Lord is delaying his coming and they become a hypocrite and they apostatize. They fall away at the time that Antichrist is revealed before the perusia of God. You understand these things? So it's very important for the church to understand these things. Because what if you catch yourself in the tribulation period and you thought you are supposed to go out pre-tribulationally? You may get discouraged. Amen. So there's going to be great deception that's going to hit the world during this time. Now, but let's just briefly uh, talk about these beasts. And, in, and they are connected to Daniel chapter 7. Uh, read that sometime. Uh, but verse 1, chapter 13, verse 1. I stood upon the sand of the sea, saw beasts rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, upon his head the names of blasphemy. Now go with me to 1 John, please. Did, did everybody understand what I just said? Oh, okay. Did you understand it? All right. I, didn't, I didn't say, did you believe it? <laughs> I said, did you understand it? Okay, good. Now, 1 John chapter 2. Of course, we've got two beasts in here in this Revelation 13 passage. 1 John. John talks about the Antichrist. Praise the Lord. Okay, verse 18. First uh, John 2, 18. Little children, it is the last time. Even in John's day, he said it was the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come. Okay, so he talks about a future Antichrist that shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists. He said, there's an Antichrist that shall come, but right now there are many Antichrists. Now, Antichrist, anti means in the place of or against. It has a dual fulfillment, a dual meaning. So Antichrist is somebody that is that sets himself up in the place of Christ at the same time is in opposition to Christ. When this first beast comes on the scene, it doesn't necessarily mean that he is going to claim to be Jesus Christ. You need to understand that. Because his focus is not going to be on uh, the, the one God that we serve. His focus is going to be upon spirits, plural. Do you understand? What I'm trying to tell you is he doesn't have to come on the scene and claim to be Jesus Christ, but he will claim to have the, the Christ consciousness or the Christ spirit without having to claim that, he was, that he's Jesus. But he will say that he, he's got the Christ spirit or the Christ consciousness, which is really heavy in the New Age movement, okay? Do you understand this? So when he comes, he is going to be against Christ and in the place of Christ at the same time. Hold on to that, okay? Say Antichrist. So he talks about this future Antichrist that shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists. Even now, he said whereby we know that it is the last time. Even in John's day, he knew it was the last time because he was surrounded by Antichrist. Yes, sir, Are you with me here? 
Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would not, uh, no doubt, have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us, which means there are people who are going to, that are right now following Antichrist. Spirit. It's the spirit of Antichrist. They're now following the spirit of Antichrist. Okay? In the future, they will follow the Antichrist. So you've got the Antichrist, and then you've got the followers of the Antichrist. Isn't this very interesting that what John says here concerning the Antichrist is there is a falling away. And that's exactly what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He said there's going to be some signs that will precede the coming of the Lord. One of the signs, and it's so simple. Why can't we just take the Bible for what it says? Paul said, these are the signs that will precede the parousia of Christ. Why? You know why? Because we like to eisegete. We like to read into the Bible our belief system. Why don't we just let the Bible speak to us? Paul said, here's a sign that's going to precede the day of the Lord. He said there's going to be a great falling away. And he talks about uh, the Antichrist is going to rise to power. Those two signs are going to precede the day of the Lord. Now, if the tribulation period is the day of the Lord, how can you have that? Because the signs of a falling away and the Antichrist are in the day of the Lord. And the Bible says they precede the day of the Lord. And they are around during the seven-year tribulation period. So the day of the Lord is not the seven-year tribulation period because the Antichrist and the falling away take place before that happens or this rising up of the beast takes place before the day of the Lord and so then John talks about it too he said there's there are many antichrists right now and he said there there is an antichrist that shall come and in connection with that he talks about a falling away people who will follow the antichrist who claim to be a part of the church but who walk out of God's kingdom Followers of the Antichrist, a Judas Iscariot body, a Judas Iscariot, as you remember, Judas Iscariot's a type of the Antichrist. Judas Iscariot was in the midst of God's disciples, unrevealed for a time. Judas Iscariot in the New Testament becomes a corporate body. As you move along in, in time into the future. So Judas Iscariot is a type or a man who is a type of a corporate body. Who will depart from God in the last days. And who will join with the Antichrist. That's exactly what Judas Iscariot did. He joined Rome. He sided with Rome against the Lord and against his Christ. So in the last days... God tells us, Paul talked about it, say this only two, John talks about it here, that with this Antichrist, there's going to be a falling away. Just like Judas Iscariot betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ, in the last days, a corporate Judas Iscariot will betray the body of Christ and depart from him and align themselves with the Roman Antichrist. We often say that there's going to be a revived Roman Empire. Really, more accurately and more correctly, we should say there's going to be a revival of Babylon. 
Because everything that Rome ever was and ever will be and is now is simply a revived Babylonian system. Are you with me here? So Jesus experienced the book of Revelation in his day. John talks about there are many antichrists right now. Then he talked about this future ultimate antichrist that will come into the world. You understand these things. He which was, which is, which is to come. There's a threefold fulfillment of the book of Revelation here. So Jesus experienced this uh, apostasy in his day, being betrayed by Judas Iscariot to the Roman government. Rome's going to come back alive in the last days, but it's really a revived Babylonian system is all it is. Are you with me up to this point? Okay, so as you flow through the Bible, you're going to see these things. They're saying the same thing. Paul says, before the day of the Lord, falling away, Antichrist. What is going to precipitate in this falling away? Well, these two beasts are going to rise up to, bring, to try to bring God's people away from God. To deceive the people of God. So that they will depart from the church. Just like Judas walked out of the church. Judas was hidden for a while. But then later revealed. So in the body of Christ. You have Judas Iscariot. That is hidden. And is not yet revealed. But will be revealed with time. And at that time this body is going to depart from Christ. As Paul said, there's going to be a great falling away. And as John said here, that there's going to be people that are going to walk out of the body of Christ. That's why God says, you've got to have patience. You've got to endure, man. It's not going to be a, a, a cakewalk. It's not going to be easy. It, I don't know where preachers get what they get out of the Bible telling the, the church that they're not going to see any of these days. When these writers, John and Paul, uh, spoke about these days, etc., Peter talked about these days. They located us in the in the tribulation period. They located the church in the tribulation period. And then God says, in the midst of these two beasts, He says, "You've got to have patience. You've got to endure." Come on, are you with me here? Now, again, it might not mean a lot to you right now, but if you find yourself in that time. It will be very important to you. Because deception is going to be so rampant. And I, I, I've got a lot to share with you this morning. But I got, let's go on. He says, uh, let me read some more. Verse, okay, so he talks about this future Antichrist. He talks about the Antichrist in his day. In verse 19, he says, talks about this group of people who went out from them. Well, in the future, it's going to be the same way. There's, as Paul said, a great falling away. He said, verse 20, but you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. What protects you from deception is because you are anointed with the power of the Holy Ghost. Because you have the Spirit of the living God upon you, and because you know the Word of God, that is what's going to protect you from falling away when the Antichrist is revealed. And, and it will give you the power that you need and the strength that you need to endure great, great difficulty in times to come. And not only in times to come, but in the present hour now. 
But I'm telling you now, and I, I think this message is very important for America especially. Because we are so, I'm, and I say we, I don't say you. I say we are so, so weak that we, we can't hardly handle any discomfort. In fact, if you preach like I preach and, and show people in the tribulation period, a lot of people will not come to that church because they don't want to hear that they might have to go through something. But, but you've got an unction from the Holy One. Hallelujah. And you know all things. You're not blind. You're not going to be deceived as long as you walk in the light and you're for the Spirit of God and you walk in the truth because it's here now and it's going to be massive in the future, this great deception. Give God some praise. So John talked about this Antichrist and this falling away. And then he talked about the true believer who has an unction from the Holy One and knows all things. Are you thankful for that today? Praise God. Who is a liar but he that denieth Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. When you get Jesus, what he's saying is when you get Jesus, you get both the Father and the Son. Did you hear what he just said? If you deny Jesus, you deny both the Father and the Son because Jesus is the Father and the Son at the same time. He is God come in the flesh. And that is the message that will keep you right with God. It will keep you enduring. But if you deny that Jesus is the Father and the Son, then you have the spirit of Antichrist right now. If you don't believe that Jesus is God, now what I want you to understand is this. Mm, I'm just feeling the Holy Ghost here. I don't even know what all I'm going to get to share with you today. But I want you to know there are many types of Antichrist. John said there are Antichrist in his day, talking about a future Antichrist. We have seen them in history. They are with us today. One particular example is a man by the name of Hitler. That in fact, and when Hitler was reigning, uh, many people thought that Hitler was the Antichrist. But just to give you a little bit of information in connection with my subject today about the importance of the saints enduring and understanding, is that when Hitler rose to power, the majority of the churches in his day joined his Nazi program. Did you hear what I just said? And Hitler, when he came into the world, he preached a message of tolerance. And Hitler claimed to be a Christian. And because of this message of tolerance and him claiming to be a Christian, hundreds, uh, thousands, literally thousands of ministers uh, joined Hitler's side. Are you with me here? What did he preach? Well, Hitler claiming to be uh, a Christian with all these ministers joining him, what he preached was a positive message. I'm not telling you that he preached the gospel. I'm telling you he preached a positive message. And today, and as a result of that, hundreds of, of preachers sided with him. 
And at the first, you know, they just kind of voluntarily did. But with time, Hitler became so oppressive, his true nature started coming out. And as, as he progressed along and his true nature started coming out, they arrested hundreds of preachers who refused to side with him and put them in captivity. So at the same time, you've got these apostate preachers joining with Hitler. You've got some men who understood that his, his message was false. And so he arrested them and threw many of them in prison. Are you here? So what I'm trying to tell you is that today what people go for in church is a positive mental attitude. They want to hear the, the psychological message. They want to hear positive messages. Listen to me. They don't want to ever hear anybody correct. They don't want to everybody, and when I say correct, I'm talking about with the word of God. They don't want to hear anybody preach against sin or expose error because that's negative. And so the pulpiteers of this present hour, men who claim to be preachers, who have many of them thousands upon thousands of followers, follow men who have the same spirit that joined Hitler in Hitler's day. Because they're after a positive message. They don't want the truth because the truth is too negative. So right now there are many antichrists. There are preachers standing in pulpits today that have the spirit of antichrist. Uh, they want you to think that they're of Christ. But they're not of Christ. They preach a gospel, but it's a pseudo gospel. It is a false gospel. I want you to know, friend, we got to preach this book from cover to cover. It doesn't matter if my flesh likes it or it doesn't like it. And, and I would be honest with you today just to tell you that if the church was going to be pre-tribulationally raptured, I would be glad for that message. I'm not a glutton for pain. I don't enjoy pain. Are you with me? I don't enjoy what, what I read the Bible tells me is going to come. So if a pre-tribulation rapture were the truth, I guarantee you I would be preaching. I don't care. If it's in the Bible, I'll preach it. But I'm telling you today that the church world, especially in America, is caught up in this pseudo-Christianity. It claims to be of Christ, but it's not. It is the spirit of Antichrist. And yes, we've got a gospel. And yes, we've got good news. Thank God for it. Hallelujah. But I cannot replace the gospel. Do you know that hell is a part of the gospel? Do you know that the tribulation period, that that's a part of the gospel? Don't you know everything in this book? Heaven, hell, Christ, Antichrist. It is the gospel. And so... In Hitler's day, he top of an antichrist. You have a mass departure of people and preachers because they liked his positive message. He was a Nazi man. He was anti-Semitic. Over six million Jews were killed by that man. Come on, are you with me here? He not only uh, had these preachers joining his, his group and promoting him, uh, but he would not recognize the Jews. In those churches. 
And then again later, as I said, many people who stood against him ended up in prison. And so we have the admonition from God. Here is the patience, the endurance of the saints. You might be led into captivity. Come on, somebody. But stay faithful to the true God. Don't give in to the lies of the Antichrist. Don't, don't give in to his deception. Because it will only be a temporary peace. Because he's going to offer you a false peace. But it's only a temporary peace. So again, the connection, I preach it here today, is the importance of the saints understanding the word of the living God. If you understand, give God praise. And so I'm glad today to know that Jesus Christ is the Father and the Son. Because if you know Jesus is God, you're not going to get messed up. You're not going to get sucked up into a lot of this religious stuff that goes on. And I pray, I pray over you constantly, church, that you don't get deceived by this pseudo-Christianity that's preached today from the pulpits. That you don't get sucked into these, these preachers. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. And I thank God for the gospel. And I thank God for the good news. We preach that. We believe that. But we're going to preach the Bible. We're going to preach the truth. How many of y'all love Jesus today? So John talked about this Antichrist, and going back to chapter 13, verse 1, he said, I stood upon the sand of the sea, saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, upon his horn, ten crowns, upon his head, the name of blasphemy. Now, I'm not going to reiterate this or redo this, but you've got two beasts here. And in the Old Testament, you have a creature that comes up out of the sea. In Job chapter 9, in Job chapter 26, in Job chapter 41, in Isaiah chapter 27, Ezekiel chapter 29, it talks about Leviathan. It talks about a dragon. This dragon is called Leviathan. Are you with me here? That's going to rise up in the last days. Leviathan is the one world government under a one world leader called the Antichrist, Leviathan. Do you understand this? Let me give them to you again. Job 9, Job 26, Job 41. I'll give you another one. Psalm 74, Isaiah 27, Ezekiel 29. It talks about Leviathan. Hallelujah. Are you with me today? This is the, the first beast that comes up out of the sea. And then the second beast comes up out of the land. Job chapter 40 talks about this beast called behemoth. So behemoth is the false prophet. Revelation 14 calls this second beast the false prophet. So the second beast is behemoth. This land creature that comes up in the last days. Do you understand that? Uh, Job 40 talks about behemoth. He typifies the false religious system under the false prophet. So two beasts. Uh, we, we could say the first one is the Antichrist, but you could also say the second one is Antichrist. But one beast, is, it's, his focus is primarily political with religious overtones. The second beast, the false prophet, his primary purpose is to establish the world government through religion. You cannot set up world government without also setting up one world religion. 
You've got to have both of them together. Do you understand? Oh, yeah. And so we see Leviathan come up in chapter 13 out of the sea. He's got seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, upon his head the name of blasphemy. Now, when you talk about, you've got to go to Revelation 17, and then you've got to go to Daniel chapter 7 to understand what he's talking about here when he says seven heads and then ten crowns. All right? When Antichrist rises to power, it is commonly taught that there are ancient empires. Five have fallen. One is, Revelation 17, five have fallen. One is, one is yet to come. The eighth is the Antichrist. Revelation 17. Okay. And, and that's, that's most likely true. Five are fallen, right? Y'all know that teaching? Let me just briefly talk to you about about them. Five are fallen. Let me see. Let me find out where we are here. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Middle Persian, Greece is believed to be the five that are fallen. One is the Roman Empire in the days of John. The seventh is the future. And then the eighth is the Antichrist. So it's commonly taught that these seven heads represent five ancient empires. One at the day of John, which is the Roman Empire. And then the seventh will come and continue for a short space as Revelation 17 says, and then the eighth one is the Antichrist kingdom. But let's look at it not just in, in the light of ancient kings. Are you with me? But let's talk about them now. That what you see here is not just ancient kings here and future kings. What you have here is seven heads or seven kings that are with the Antichrist when he rises to power. Seven kings and he would be the eighth. But then the Bible says this, this uh, seven-headed beast has ten crowns. And these crowns are, uh, represent ten kings that shall arise. You understand? So what we have to do is we have to understand something very important. The Bible says that when the little horn rises, he rises from amidst of ten kings. But then he plucks up three by the roots, leaving how many? Seven. Leaving seven which would make him the eighth, the Antichrist. Do you understand? Give the Lord praise. But when Jesus finally comes, the Bible says there are ten kings. Well, so what we have here, we got something very unique, very interesting going on here. Because in Revelation chapter 17, in connection with these seven heads, it calls the Antichrist the eighth. What we have here is this, something very interesting. We have in Daniel, the Bible says, he'll pluck up three by the roots. But when Jesus comes back, there's ten still. So what we have here, in order for these to be uh, properly aligned is, evidently, Antichrist, the Bible says, he will be the eighth ruler among seven contemporary rulers. There will be seven contemporary rulers in the day of Antichrist. Along with the Antichrist, he would be the eighth. But the Bible said there's going to be ten. So how can he be the eighth and, the, and come up from ten? He would be the eleventh. If he comes up from ten, he'd be the eleventh. But the Bible says he's the eighth, not the eleventh. So my point is this. Is that what you have here, I believe, is you have uh, uh, time frames. Where the Antichrist, there's going to be seven contemporary rulers. He'll be the eighth. The Bible says he's plucked up three by the roots, which would mean if you start out with ten, 
You pluck up three by the roots, that leaves you seven. And again, he's the eighth. Well, the Bible says when Jesus comes back, there's going to be ten. So my point is this, is that the three that he plucked up evidently are going to come up under his authority. So that in one sense, there are ten, and he, he's the little horn rising up from among the ten. And at the same time, it, they are called seven kings, seven rulers, and he's the eighth. So three of them are just underneath him. And then you have seven other major rulers with the Antichrist. Do you understand these things? That's one way to look at it. Hallelujah. Woo. Next week, though, I'm going to share some very important things with you concerning the Antichrist. Do you understand what I just said? Amen. Let me make it simple. That in the last days, there are going to be seven contemporary kings that will be ruling, and the Antichrist is going to be among them. He is going to be among the seven. Okay? He's plucked up three. They started out with ten. He plucked up three. They become subordinates. Either he replaces them in the end or he brings them up underneath himself. Hallelujah. Now, some of this is new for you. Because you've heard it, you know, that this is ancient empires, that five are fallen, one is, you know. And that's what the Bible says. Five are fallen, one is, one is yet to come, continue a short space, and the eight is the Antichrist. And so what I'm telling you is there's a lot in the Bible. That it is the past, but it is also the present. Now, as we go along, uh, this information that is given here is to help the church in that time to help the church not get deceived. So you can identify this world leader, all right? Amen. Okay, let me go to Daniel 7. I think I can help you if I do that. Are y'all awake? Daniel chapter 7, verse 1, the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts come, out, come up from the sea, diverse one from another. All right? The first was, and we know the sea represents the reckless humanity. Coming up out of the sea, these four great beasts. The first was like a lion. Say a lion. Had eagle's wings. Talks about its wings are plucked out. Lifted up from the earth. Made to stand upon the, uh, the feet as a man. A man's heart was given to it. Behold, another beast, a second like a bear. Raised up itself on one side. Had three ribs in the mouth of it between its teeth of it. And they said to us, unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night vision, behold, a fourth beast, dreadful, terrible, strong, exceeding. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. Say, iron teeth. That's interesting. And stamped in residue the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. All right? Brass, iron teeth or brass teeth. I consider the horns, beheld there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, the ancients of days did set, 
whose garment was white as snow, the hair of his head like pure wool, his throne was like the fiery flame, his wills as a burning fire. Describes the Lord, right, in his kingdom. Go down to verse 13. I saw in the night visions, behold, one like the Son of Man came the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. It was given him dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all people, nations, language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So in connection to these four beasts that are rising up out of the sea, you've got a lion with wings on its back. Okay, you with me? Is that what it says? Lion with wings on its back. You've got a bear. You've got a leopard with four wings. And then you've got this very strange looking beast, this fourth beast that has brass teeth. It's got ten horns, and then one horn comes up from the ten, and that one horn's got eyes as a man, and it speaks as a man. All right, so now do you understand what I'm saying here? This, ant, this beast is going to rise up from the sea. This last, this fourth beast, say the fourth beast, has got the ten horns, and he rises from the ten horns. That, that little horn that's got the eyes of a man, that rises up from the ten is the Antichrist. Do you understand this? Okay. Praise God. And in connection with this rising of this little horn from among the ten horns on that fourth and final beast, the Bible says that at that time, the Lord's going to set up His kingdom. Did you hear that? God's going to set up His kingdom because God's going to destroy that fourth beast. Now, he, Daniel says in verse 8, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High, look at this. Here's the focus. The saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron or brass, his nails of brass, which devoured, breaking pieces and stamped in residue with his feet. So even his, his nails, his claws are of brass. And the ten horns. Now, nah, let me back up. I'm going to correct myself here. The Bible says his teeth were iron. Let me leave it there. Iron. And his nails of brass. Let me leave it there. Brass. Say brass. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things. There's that blasphemy. Whose look was more stout than his fellow. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints, and prevailed against them. So the same thing that John is saying in Revelation 13, Daniel is also saying in this chapter. They're, 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 they're together. They're the same prophetic situation or scenario. All right. So, uh, are y'all with me here? Verse 21, I beheld this, uh, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. 
So this takes you all the way up through the tribulation period to the time when Jesus sets up his kingdom and the saints possess the kingdom. And it talks about before that kingdom is set up, this beast rises to power. A little horn rises from among that and he's going to have power over the saints or will prevail over the saints. That's what the Bible says. And that will precede the coming of the Lord and the setting up of the kingdom. That's what the Bible says. Hallelujah. So verse 22, until the Ancient of Days came, judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. The time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth king upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of the kingdom are ten kings that shall arise. But remember, we read already that he's going to pluck up three by the roots when he rises up. So if he plucks up three by the roots, how many did that leave? Seven. So he can be called the eighth ruler. But at the same time, there's going to be ten. So those three that he's plucked up evidently remain, but they're underneath his, his uh, authority uh, more so than the other seven are. Do you understand? That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Okay, here we go. So what we see here, we see the rise of Antichrist, we see the persecution of the church, and then we see the coming of the Lord and the setting up of the kingdom. Did you catch that? See, the rise of Antichrist, persecution of the church, and the setting up of the kingdom. Let me say it again. Because you've got to get this. We see the rise of Antichrist, the persecution of the church, the coming of the Lord, and the setting up of the kingdom. And it is coming, he destroys Antichrist. But it's always that way. Whether you be in Daniel, or you be in Matthew 24, or you be in the book of Revelation, it is always, listen, it is always Antichrist rise to power, the persecution of the church, the coming of the Lord, and the setting up of the kingdom. And when he comes, he gathers the church into his kingdom, come on, and he destroys the Antichrist at his coming. It's always that way. Always. Wherever you go, it's always that way. Hallelujah. And that's what Daniel's trying to show you here. Are you with me here at this point? Okay. Verse 25 tells us what he's going to do. He shall speak great words against the Most High. Just like Revelation says, blasphemy. So he's going to prevail against the saints and he's going to be a blaspheme God. And shall wear out the saints of the Most High. That's why God says you're going to have to have endurance. Because this Antichrist shall wear out the saints of the Most High God. And think to change times, laws. They shall be given into his hand until a time, times, and a dividing of time. Three and a half years, 42 months, just like Revelation 13 says. So take Daniel 7 and put it right on top of Revelation 13. But the judgment shall sit. They shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel... My cogitations much trouble me, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Why was he troubled? Because he saw this great persecution of the church, of the saints of the Most High God. He saw this Antichrist rise up, a world leader a world, with a world power, and uh, they're, 
their influence was to try to be an obstacle to God's kingdom and to destroy his church. And so that's why he's troubled. But thank God the Bible says that God's going to come. He's going to destroy the Antichrist. He's going to cut short the tribulation period and set up the kingdom. So all the way through. Now that's, so that's where we get these ten horns, these four beast ten horns. That's where John gets it. Go to Revelation 13. So let me hurry up. Again, this is Leviathan. When you get to Revelation, though, 13, you're seeing the final form. The final form. Okay? Revelation 13, the Bible says he, this beast comes up from the sea. He's got seven heads and ten horns. Uh, or ten crowns. And upon his head, the name of blasphemy. He's going to be a blasphemer of God. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. Now, there's something different about this beast. John sees this final form of world government, Gentile world powers. He says it's got the body of a leopard. Daniel saw it as a separate kingdom. He saw a lion with wings. He saw a bear. He saw a leopard. And he saw this uh, very strange looking beast. But this final form of world government, when the Antichrist rises to power, it, it's got the characteristics of the preceding world powers in it. It's got the body of a leopard. Come on. The Bible said it has feet of a bear. And it's got the mouth of a lion. And a dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So when you get to Revelation 13, in the last three and a half years of the tribulation period, you see this world power has the uh, characteristics of a leopard. In our day, no doubt, that is Greece. Are you with me? And then it says it's got the feet of a bear. In our day, no doubt, that is France or Russia. And then it's got the mouth of a lion. In our day, no doubt, that is England or Great Britain. Are you with me up to this point? Now watch, this is very interesting. Because right now, the United States of America has the UN in New York. The United Nations is in America. And the permanent members as of right now are the United States of America, Germany, France, and England, and Russia. Did you just hear what I said? And so God in Revelation 13, when he talks about this world leader that's going to come in the future, who's over a world power, we have a leopard, which has always been the symbol of Germany, I said Germany. Germany, did I say Greece? Okay, thank you. Germany. And then we have the feet of a bear, symbol of France or Russia. And then we have the mouth of a lion, the symbol of England. It's always been the symbol of England. You understand? So in this body then, what we have is, praise God, we have the main players in the UN right now. Did you hear what I said? The main players right now. England is in the UN. 
Russia, United States of America, France, and is it Germany or Greece? I'll have to check on that. But I'm trying to show you something here. That the UN right now has already got the major players in it. I'm going to do this from memory, okay? Now, what is going to happen though is that in the last days, this UN that's now currently in place, the U.S. is the western side of this empire. The Bible talks about this empire is also going to be divided into two. In Daniel chapter 2, we saw it divided into the Roman Empire is divided in two so that you have an eastern and a western Roman Empire. Okay? The U.S., west, Russia, east. With, uh, you've got, Go in there on my desk real quick. I've got to make sure on this. And get my notes, brother, on my desk. I've got to make sure what I'm telling you here. Okay. And the three, the England and uh, France, the bear, England, the lion. And I've got to make sure on this third one here. Thanks, brother. Germany. Yes. Thank you, God. Yeah. That's, that's good, that's good. See, it all fits together, man. Even though I don't even know what I'm talking about, God does. Hallelujah. <laughs> but the main members of the UN are uh, U, uh, Russia, France, Germany, England, and the U.S. This is powerful, man. I just had to make sure about that. So that right now, then, you have, you have Germany, England, and France... They are in the heart of the old ancient Roman Empire. You've got U.S. in the West and you've got Russia in the Eastern Bloc. And so just like God said in Daniel 2, that this Roman Empire in the last days, which is really Babylon revived, is going to be divided into an, uh, an Eastern Division and a Western Division. Hallelujah. In the 4th century A.D., this uh, Rome was divided, the Western Division, with Rome as its capital, an Eastern Division, uh, Eastern Rome, with Constantinople its capital. So you had the division just like the Bible showed us in Daniel chapter 2. Well, right now you've still got it. You still have it. You've got East in Russia, West in the U.S., and then you've got the heart of the Roman Empire in Germany, France, and England, and they're in the U.N. right now. Right now. And so when God shows you this world leader with, under the, with this world power, He shows you, He identifies for you what makes it up. It's got the body of a leopard, Germany. It's got the mouth of a lion, England. It's got the feet of a bear, France or Russia. Praise God. But Daniel 2 said it's going to be an eastern and a western. So there's going to, and there's going to be ten kings. So there's going to have to be five on the east side and five on the west side. We don't have its final form yet. But I'm telling you that it's in place right now. It's in place. God's good. God's good. I'm really trying. This is the, I, I was not looking forward to this chapter. This is the hardest chapter in the whole book of Revelation. Because you've got horns and heads and legs divided, you know. 
divided kingdom down there, the eastern, western side. You got a lot of stuff going on there, and it's not really easy to explain, at least not for me. But I'm trying, hallelujah. So anyway, whatever the final form is, I don't know anybody can tell you what the final form is right now because we're not there yet. But whatever the final form is, you're going to be able to see it. Because you see it right now. It's already in the UN. The permanent members are already linked to this. Okay, hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. So there's going to be a one world leader with a one world government system. And, and we know that there's going to be seven heads, seven kings. He's the eighth king. Seven contemporary kings. He'll be the eighth king. Evidently, there's going to be ten, though, at some point. He's going to pluck up three by the roots, make them subordinates to himself. Hallelujah. So again, you, still have, you can still have the ten but, and the seven and he the eighth. There's no contradiction. Do you understand? And if you'll come back next Sunday, and I believe you will, I'm going to show you uh, at some of Tim Cohen's work on the uh, Antichrist and the cup of tea, and I'm going to show you the coat of arms. I'm going to show you the coat of arms. And you know Tim Cohen's going to be with us. We're still working on the schedule, but he's going to be with us. But I spent most of the day yesterday studying every detail on the coat of arms. And so what I'm telling you is I'm giving you an introduction right now. And if you'll just listen to me, next week we'll expand it for you, all right? Thanks, sister. Okay? Because you've got to understand this seven and this ten. Because even in the coat of arms, you have the seven and the ten. But only seven of them are seen. Three of the lines are hidden. So you've got to hear what I'm telling you. I know you think I'm, you know, don't know what I'm talking about. And I really probably don't. But... <laughs> Okay, but just hang here with me just a little bit as I struggle. So anyway, this world government, this world leader, we see this coming up now. Hallelujah. Praise God. You understand, you've got U.S. on the western side. You've got Russia on the eastern side. You've got England, Germany, and France in the heart of Rome depicted in this beast. And this Antichrist has got the power over this, this area, this system. And of course, it'll expand and get larger. It'll become almost worldwide. He don't have dominion over everything. We know that according to Daniel 11. But it'll become a worldwide kingdom. Okay. Now, what I need to share with you very quickly is, and I'm running out of time, is that there was what was called a Morovian dynasty. What it believes, there is a group of people in England today, in Great Britain today, they're called uh, this Morovian group of people. They believe that Jesus did not really die, that he just, you know, went to sleep on the cross. He walked out of the grave, whatever. He, he didn't really die. He got married to Mary Magdalene. He had children, and they all moved to Europe. Okay? Morovian dynasty. It's some kind, sometimes called Z uh, Priori Zion. Okay, and they claim to be the descendants of the Lord Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene. They claim that Jesus married Mary Magdalene and that Jesus also married Martha. Okay, and so his descendants, they, they claim they moved over to Europe and his descendants are over in Europe and the descendants are called the Morovian dynasty. Hallelujah, are you with me here? Now hang with me. I need you to hang with me. This is heavy. I know it. 
But just be gracious. Hallelujah. Don't stone me, man. That's all I ask. I told you last Wednesday night, out of, as we finished the book of Job, that Job said, I did not kiss the hand. Now, what that means was, he said, I am not a worshiper of idolatry. I am not. Now, listen. He said, I'm not a sun god worshiper. So I don't kiss the hand. When you see a religious leader today whose hand is kissed, he is over sun worship. He is called Pontifus Maximus. He's also called the Pope. Now, the Bible talks about this world leader with this first beast that's going to arise. Then it talks about this second beast that shall arise. Revelation 14 calls him the false prophet. Now, watch this. Who is this false prophet? Well, the world leader, Antichrist, is one, the first beast. And we, see, we saw briefly his dominion here. But then the second beast is a false prophet. I believe that he is the Pope. I believe, and I'm not saying he's the one that's alive today, but I believe that he is the Pope. And I believe Catholicism will play a major role in the last days with this world government when it comes to pass, comes to power. Okay, now you, you saw in the news and, and everything else about everybody just adores this, this new pope, you know, and they've got an inauguration ceremony today, supposed to be 500,000 people there. They don't understand that he is the chief priest of Baal worship. He is the tre- chief priest of sun god worship. When they kiss the hand, they are saying they are idolaters. They are saying that they are sun worshipers. And in this little article I got right here, the post past haunts some Jews because of his connection with Nazism. Germany. Did he come out of Germany? Oh, hello. Came right out of Europe. And he is Pontifus Maximus. He is the Pope. Now, in case you don't know this, when Constantine rose to power and he became the emperor of Rome, he called himself by two two names. He called himself Bishop of Bishops and he called himself the Vicar of Christ. The Vicar of Christ is the Latin word vicarious. Vicar is anti. The Greek word... Okay, you got vicar, vicarious in the Latin. The Greek for vicarious or vicar is anti. So every pope that is ever put in office is a what? He's a vicar or an anti-Christ. And his whole system is an anti or a vicar Christ instead of Christ or in the place of Christ. And they adore this son God priest. And every pope, everyone that's ever been put in office and everyone that will be put in office is a vicar or an antichrist. They're both antichrists and they're connected together. Now, let me show you the connection with this, this Moravian dynasty, this, these people over there in England that claim to be the descendants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very quickly, I told you about how that, you know, those guys walking around, they're the arm. Uh, the, soldier, the military uh, guard, the guard, and they got the black and the yellow stripes, you know, and all that little funny little hat they got on. And I told you that they're linked to the bees, and the bees are none other than the world government system. 
Do you understand? Remember I told you that? Well, I got this article. This is found in Prophecy in the News uh, right here by J.R. Church. He talks about the bees of the new world order. Hallelujah. Now, I don't have time to tell you everything about it. If you want to know about it, I've got a message in the book of, uh, of uh, who was it? Uh, the Judges on this very detailed on the book of Judges because Deborah was the bee. So we explained this to you before. But very quickly, let me talk to you here about this. Uh, he talks about how that this, um, uh, this, these people believe that Jesus Christ, Mary Magdalene, got married and went over into Europe. Uh, and they, they had this Moravian dynasty or the people who are descendants of this. Now, in a long and cir uh, uh, cir circuitous genealogy that traces a, a serpentine chain of European royalty, uh, Moravia's dynasty is actually thought to possess mystical power. Okay? And he talks about in J.R. Church's book, The Guardians of the Grail, which I have in my office. By the way, let me tell you what the Grail is. Remember the cup? that they, they, they believe that Jesus took the Lord's Supper in, the cup. It is believed that somebody caught blood out of the cross in it, you know, and it's the, the grail, the, the holy grail or whatever, okay? Next week we'll talk a little bit about that maybe. But anyway, uh, this Moravian dynasty claims to be the descendants of Jesus. For the purpose of this brief article, suffice to say that, the, that Moravi and his offspring were practitioners of the black arts and worshipers of pagan idols. Moravi, king of the Franks, was a pagan idolater. But he claimed to be a descendant of Jesus Christ. Do you know that when he was born, they say that he had a red cross? He was born with a red cross in his flesh. At the same time, it's not in this article, it's in another article, but at the same time, they held to the perverse doctrine that they were in the line of holy blood through Mary Magdalene. When Morovi's son, uh, Chidric I, was buried in A.D. 481, at the tender age of 21, Clovis came to power. A.D. 496, he formally adopted Christianity as the official religion. At this time, the pagans believe beliefs of the Frankish kings became intertwined with the official doctrines of the Roman church. So we've got a, this political leader who has intertwined himself with the Roman church. However, they maintain their secret doctrine. They continue to pay homage to Diana, the queen bee. Down through the century, Morovi's dynasty called the Morovians quietly held to the belief that one day one of their offspring would rise to lead the world into a unified and blissful kingdom. In 1653, over 1,100 years after Childeric's burial, his tomb was opened reportedly. In addition to other occultic items, the grave contained 300 solid gold replicas of honeybees. His tomb was virtually a beehive. Okay, so anyway, I talk about the bees being in connection to the world order. And when I see those guys running around in those yellow and black little striped suits, I think to myself, you're connected with the beehive, man. You're connected with the one world government, and you're over there supposed to be guarding the Pope. Well, the Pope is a part of that system. I believe he's going to be the beast. Hallelujah. Are you with me here? Okay, let me go on down here just a little bit. All right. The Bible tells us that this one world leader, he gets his power from the, from the devil. Okay, verse 3 says... One of his deadly, wounds, deadly heads are wounded to death. His deadly wound is healed. And the world wondered after the beast. They worshiped the dragon. So they become Satan worshipers. Who gave power unto this beast or this world leader. They worship the beast also saying. Who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him. Well Daniel 7 we already found out the answer to that. 
There was given unto him a mouth speaking great things. Here we go, that blasphemy. And power was given unto him to continue 42 months. Second thing that the saints are going to have to endure. He opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. A lot of people say, well, that's the church right there. I got news for you. The word them that dwell in heaven, them that dwell is really not in, even in certain manuscripts. So what he's talking about is the temple in, in the heavens, all right? That's what he's going to be blaspheming. It could be that he's blaspheming the saints. I don't know. But I'm just trying to tell you that you don't find a pre-trib rapture in that verse. And he goes on and he says this, all right. Uh, and it was given him to make war with the saints. Here we go. Got to endure and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. So the saints are going to have to endure his power to overcome them. And also his power over all kindreds, nations, and tongues. Worldwide government. Okay, here we go. And all the world upon the earth shall worship him, whose name was not written in the book of life of the from the, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear what? Hear. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Very important. Now, watch this. This is, I'm hurrying. Man, I, see, that's my problem. In the book of Revelation, this is the Anchor Bible Commentary. I've got hundreds of commentaries in my, my library. I've got a computer system full of information. But this particular one I feel important to share with you because it is in connection with an early church document called the Dadachi or the Dadach. It was an early church handbook. Okay? And this is the way the early church looked at prophecy. In this Dadach, or the Dadachi, however they say that, this is found in 16, Didache 16, 3 through 4, in this early church handbook. Talked about baptisms and all kinds of things. It predicts these, these uh, things in the last, it says these things about this particular prophecy. For in the last days, the false prophets and corruptors shall be multiplied, and the sheep shall be turned into wolves. This is an early church writing. This is what they believed about the future Antichrist. That sheep would be turned to wolves. That there would be a major apostasy. That's why God says you've got to endure. And love shall change to hate. For as lawlessness increaseth, they shall hate one another and persecute and betray. And then shall appear the deceiver of the world as a son of God. And shall do signs and wonders. And the earth shall be given over into his hands. And he shall commit iniquities which have never been since the world began. And that's exactly what the Bible says. And that's what the early church believed. That the sheep would be turned into wolves. And love would be turned into hate. And this this world leader would come who claimed to be the Son of God. This would precede the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand these things? And I've got all the church history, ancient church history books on my, my computer at home. I can verify all of this. Are you with me here? Praise God. Give God a hand clap of praise. Mm. 
Do you know that the early church, the, this, the church after, you know, I'm not, not talking about the apostolic early church. I'm talking about beyond that. You know that the church in those days, what we call the early church, those church fathers were messed up because they were caught up in the Trinitarian doctrine. They censored the oneness doctrine and all kinds of stuff. So there's a, there are problems with the early church, what they call church fathers. Okay? But we know that Jesus is the, is the Son and the Father. We know He's God. Hallelujah. We're not messed up on that. But that early church in their documents did not preach a pre-tribulation rapture. They did not even believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. They believed the church would go into the tribulation period. The church fathers did. Based on scripture. And I don't call them church fathers because to me most of them were heretics. Because they didn't believe in the oneness of God. But here's what I want to show you. The focus is verse 10. Now behold another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb. He spake as a dragon. So here's the next beast that's going to be with the Antichrist. Revelation 14 calls him a false prophet. The Bible says he's got two horns. Two horns. Like a lamb, he speaks as a dragon. Do you know that the Pope has a mitre that he wears? And I, I, that article, if you want to look at it, he's got a mitre that he wears that looks like two horns. And at the base of that mitre, there is a picture of a lamb with a mitre of two horns on the Pope's head. So when the Bible says this second beast that rises up from the earth, the behemoth of Job chapter 40, when he rises to power, he is a religious leader who's got two horns. Amen? Two horns like a lamb, he spake as a dragon. So he appears as a lamb like Christ but he speaks as a dragon. He gets this power from the same place that the first beast got his power, and that's the dragon. He's a preacher. He's a religious leader. Isn't that interesting? That the Pope on his head, the band at the bottom of that mitre, that two-horned mitre, there's a lamb with a mitre on it, and that depicts him, and he's called vicar or antichrist. Come on, somebody. Going back to this religious leader, I know, sister, I'm just going to have to do my best. I'm already out of time, but i got to do this. I've already told you, preached this previously in the book of Revelation, that uh, the descendants or the popes of, of Rome are not descendants of Simon Peter. They are descendants of Simon Pator. Simon Pator is, or Simon Papa, Simon Pator is Simon Magus of Acts chapter 8 that brought idolatry into the church. Here's the documentation that proves that the Simon Peter, the Catholics claim to be the Apostle Peter, is none other than Simon Magus or Simon Pator who went to Rome, who brought apostasy into the New Testament church. We already covered that. So you don't want to be a part of this, this false prophet system. Another thing I want to share with you, if you want it, you can go, you can go on your in, in the internet, go on simonmagus.com. You can get the whole, all the documentation you want. This is out of Christian consciousness. I want to show you how close we are to these things. 
Christian consciousness, this was in October of 1997, a one-world church. They met together to try to bring about a one-world church, okay? In this particular article, it talks about uh, no absolutes. Get rid of all the absolutes. Let's all come together in one world church system. False prophet involved here. Are you with me here? Okay, I'm not going to get into that. I don't have time. But anyway, just to show you that what is in, going on in the world today, uh, one thing I do want to read to you, though, is about Mary. I mean, you love the Lord today. <clears throat> okay. Pope John Paul II, who just recently passed away, was heavily involved in Mary worship. He was devoted to Mary worship. Here's what the Catholic Church believes, and this is found in Malachi Martin's book, The Keys of This Blood. Malachi Martin writes in depth about the soon coming Marian vision, the purpose of this prophesied supernatural vision, he says. Remember, he talks about this false prophet do wonders, signs, and wonders, you know? He talks about this Marian vision, prophesied. The uh, purpose of this prophesied supernatural vision, he says, is to validate the Roman Catholic Church as the only true church and the Pope as God's ordained leader. An article from Cutting Edge Ministries, staged appearances of the Antichrist, staged appearance of the Antichrist comments. Pope John Paul II is anxiously awaiting a pot potent worldwide Marian vision. World chaos is to precede this vision. This vision will validate the global reign of Pope John Paul II. Well, evidently he didn't see it. And will establish him as the ultimate spiritual judge of the planet. How does the Pope know this worldwide apparition will occur? In 1981, as he was recovering from his attempted assassination, he was suddenly visited by the Virgin Mary, who transported him back to Fatima vision of October 13, 1917, the miracle of the sun. Pope John Paul II viewed this vision as though he had been there. However, this time the message was different. Pope John Paul was told that he was to expect and await a supernatural Marian vision like Fatima. And the purpose of that vision was to bring or unite the world religions together underneath their leadership. That is also in the uh, this same magazine, or not magazine, but uh, documentary Christian Conscience. Okay, This was January, February of 1997 of the Christian Conscience. Okay. Praise God, everybody. <clears throat> couple other things just for your information. You can get this book called En Route to Global Occupation by Gary Call. In this book, you talk about a one world government, a one world leader. Right now, in this book, it documents that the world constitution is already written. It's already in place. And then this book right here, this is called The New World Religion. Gary Call, this is his newest book by Gary Call. He writes about and he shows how the Roman Catholic system is involved with this one world government. He talks about the New Age movement. He talks about all these false religions and how they're promoting one world government because you've got to get the religion involved to have one world government. That's exactly what Revelation 13 is talking about. Okay, y'all all right out there? All right, here we go. Let me finish this out, at least for today. The Bible says that this false prophet, he exercises all the power of the first beast before him, causeth the earth and them that which dwell therein to worship the first beast 
whose deadly wound was healed. He doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now watch this. You have the two witnesses. They are calling men out of apostasy to worship the true God. The true witnesses stand before God. The true witnesses have power over fire. Are you with me here? The two witnesses have the ability with the, pa- the fire that comes out of their mouth to consume these, the enemies of the cross. These two witnesses are two olive trees, are two candlesticks, the Bible calls them. Watch this. At the same time that they're preaching, trying to get people to come out of the apostate system, trying to tell people about the true God of the Bible, they have power over fire. They have the ability to slay those that would try to destroy them. At the same time, you've got a false prophet and a you got two beasts, a one world leader and a religious leader, two witnesses, if you will, false witnesses, counterfeits uh, of the devil. And they are calling down fire from heaven. They have power over fire. They are trying to get people to depart from the true God of the Bible. With me here? The two witnesses stand before God. The false prophet stands before the first beast. So what I'm trying to get you to see and throwing in a little information here and there as I can as to who these leaders possibly would be is that what is taking place here is the two witnesses that represent God. You have two counterfeits that do the same thing who try to pull people away from God, who try to pull people out of the church, who try to change the sheep to wolves. Great conflict. It's here now, and it's going to be even greater. We've got to get rooted deep. This preacher has got to get rooted deep. Right now, there's great conflict right now. Dragon standing up against the woman, ready to devour her seed. Right now. But it's, it's going to get worse as far as the world goes. And so you're going to have to be patient. But thank God. God's going to have witnesses that are going to preach and call people out of the paganism, call them out of idolatry, call them out of the Constantine system, call them out of the doctrine of the Trinity, call them out of these observing these pagan holidays. They won't observe Christmas anymore, Easter anymore, all those pagan holidays. God's got a witness. He's going to bring them out. They're going to preach that Jesus is the one true God of the Bible. In the midst of that deception. And the Bible goes on and says. Concerning this image of the beast. And I'm going to close with this. That's the, the focus is verse 10. Don't miss that focus. It talks about that, that uh, he's going to cause them to make an image to the beast. Which had the wound by the sword and did live. He had power to give life to the image of the beast. Just like life comes into the two witnesses. And resurrects them from the dead. At the end of the tribulation period, this counterfeit is going to give breath or life to the image of the beast. God gave life to the two witnesses. This beast has power to give life to the image of the beast. Breath. See the counterfeit? You you, you with me here? The two witnesses have power over fire. That speaks of a true Pentecost. 
These people call down fire from heaven. The false beasts call down fire from heaven. They got the ability to do miracles and signs and wonders and call down from fire from heaven. They have the ability to produce a counterfeit Pentecost. Do you know the New Age movement is calling for a counterfeit Pentecost? I've got that documented. So you better don't get sucked up in all these charismatic preachers who preach psychology and everything and, you know, blow people down. Come on, you better wake up. Just because they can lift their hand like this and a whole crowd goes down, don't mean they walk with God. Doesn't mean they know God. These false prophets are going to have power to call down fire from heaven. There's signs and miracles, wonders in the sight of the first beast. And you're telling me that there's no way that you'll get deceived? When we at times see that stuff going on and we say, man, boy, that's powerful. That's really God. Well, some of it is God. But you know why God, you know why God shows up and sometimes works miracle through a false prophet? You know why? To test his people. You read Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 18 talks about that God would do them. Come on. He would do a miracle through a false prophet. To see where the hearts of the people were. To see if the people would follow a false prophet because of a miracle that God did through him. Not all miracles that are done by false prophets are of the devil. Many of them are done by God. But they're done to test you. To see if you'll walk with God in truth. You've got to get a love for the truth. Man, don't get caught up in all this stuff. Just somebody got power to knock you down on the ground, man. That's where the deception is going to take place. These people are going to be like Hitler promoting Christianity. Come on. He has power to make this image of the beast, to give life to the image, a breath. And I believe that this is one main image, but all over the world, everybody who worships all these idols are going to see their inanimate, inanimate objects come alive. The Antichrist is going to have power. How is he going to have that kind of power worldwide? Because through demon, demonic powers who are in those images, people are going to bow down to the beast. They're going to worship the beast. They're going to worship the dragon. And they're bowing down to their own idols. Why? Because the spirit of the Antichrist is in those idols. When it says he has power to give life to the image of the beast, watch this. Does this mean he has power to give life like God gives life? No. But he has the ability to summon a demonic power to enter in an inanimate object. An inanimate object. Watch this. The Bible says he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So now they've got power to kill the people who won't bow down to his system. Whereas the two witnesses have power, fire coming out of their mouth to destroy the enemies that would try to kill them. Now watch. He said, he caused all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. We'll talk about this name next, next week. But without it, you can't buy or sell. So in Revelation 6, talks about people who are going to be starving to death. Uh, here is the wisdom. Let him that hath the understanding count the number of the beast. And it talks about the number of a man. His number is 603 score and 6. In connection with the image of the beast, though, I've tried to show you the one world leader, the one world government, and the one world religious leader, the false prophet. Uh, just briefly, again, the focus is the church, the saints. God is wanting the church in 
relationship to that, to endure. Don't give in. Don't get deceived. Come on. Well, you can call it tribulation saints if you want to. Hallelujah. But uh, the Bible talks about this, this man has power to give life to an image of the beast. I have a message that strictly deals with the golem in a previous series on the book of Revelation. This is the last thing I'm going to tell you. Golem. Say golem. Whenever Adam was created, Psalm 139, verse 16, when he was just a form and just a mass, the Hebrew word uh, is connected to the word golem. All right? So it's something that is biblical. Uh, this particular book, this is a children's book right here, talks about the golem. It talks about a priest, a, Jew, a Jewish priest, or I should say a Jewish rabbi named Lo that lived in Prague, 15th century or so, 16th century. Lived in Prague, right? It is believed that this man had great powers. He was a, a Kabbalist. Uh, Kabbalism gets you into all kinds of occultic mysticism. I'm not going to deal with all of that. But anyway, he had, is believed had power to take a piece of clay, turn it into a man, and give life to it. In Kabbalah, Kabbalism, they believe in the golem, that it's real. Okay? Let me explain to you briefly what it is. They take a, a mass of clay, they form it into uh, the shape of a man. The ineffable name of God, the Tetragrammaton, yod Hey vav Hey, is all the other Hebrew letters in the Hebrew alphabet are located in yod Hey vav Hey, And it is believed that God used the Hebrew letters to create the heavens and the earth, the visible and the invisible. Are you with me here? Well, we believe that because by His Word, He, he created it. By His Word. And so, they believe, just as God has power through the Hebrew letters to bring forth life, uh, that anybody who understands the depth and knowledge of those letters can produce life just like God did. So God took any four man out of the dust of the ground, and He breathed in His nostrils the breath of life. And so anybody that knows how to use these letters, they say, can do the same thing. And so what they will do is they will create a mass uh, in shape of a man. They will speak the name of God, the yot, the hay, the vav, the hay. Not just the letters, but they, they know how to pronounce that name. Okay, some of them. Uh, and uh, they is believed they have the ability to, uh, when they pronounce the name of God, the yot hey vav hey, but pronounced as a name, that it gives them power to put life into that clay or that image. You with me? In this particular book, this particular Rabbi Lo of Prague, 16th century rabbi, he speaks the name of God over the clay, and he writes in the forehead of the clay image, he writes emet, or truth. Now watch this. Not in this book, but a, a long time ago, there was a man by the name of Vendel Jones. He's still alive today. He wrote a book uh, that, I, that I had in my library called The Ashes of the Red Heifer. I wish I knew where it was. I, it's gone now. But he made a statement about, and this was in the 80s when, when I got this. He made a statement. He said, the golem, when, when it is given life, the first day 
you rule over it. The second day, it's equal with you. The third day, it rules over you. So if you don't get rid of it by the third day, it will rule you. This particular rabbi speaks the name of God over this clay that he made, according to this book here. And he writes, emet in the forehead, truth in the forehead. And this golem, this image comes alive. Are you here? Comes alive. And then, and he says the reason why that it is made to come alive or why the rabbi made this golem and caused it to come alive was so that it could protect the Jewish people. Okay? And when he gets through with protecting the Jewish people, then the rabbi goes over and he takes the Aleph out of Emet, the first letter of Emet, Aleph, he uh, erases it and it becomes Met or death. And the golem dies. All right? Are you here with me here? Give God some praise. And so this rabbi says, well, the golem has succeeded in defending and protecting the Jews. So now uh, he's getting out of hand. And it's, not, it's time for him to die. And he takes that emet, the aleph out of emet, and makes it death. And he dies. Now this is a children's book. But this is in Kabbalah. Jewish people believe that if they knew how to pronounce the name of God properly, that they could bring a lifeless mass, give it life. You with me here? And so I, I really strongly believe that these leaders that we're talking about are going to have power to create a golem. That's my opinion. You don't have to believe it if you don't want to. That's my opinion. And I believe this way back in the 80s when I first read Vendor Jones' book, The Ashes of the Red Heifer. Hallelujah. And this is the last thing I want to share with you. I'm going to let you go. You've been very patient. I know I've just been talking this morning and teaching you. I appreciate you listening. But I want to read one thing in the back of this children's book called The Golem. Uh, very interesting in connection with our day. It says, The story of the golem serves as a cautionary tale about the limits of human power. It has inspired the work of, of composers and and authors, there is evidence of its influence in Mary Shelley's novel, Frankenstein. The tale may even prove prophetic. Did you get that? This writer says, the tale may even prove prophetic. As the fields of computer, science, robotics, and gene manipulation advance, technological golems may arise in our culture. But the golem has perhaps its greatest re uh, resonance in folklore considering the jewish people's long history of conflict and suffering it is no surprise that the legend of the golem in which massive physical strength defeats overwhelming persecution remains one of the most powerful traditional stories that is amazing in the light of what the bible said so we see the un gathered together now with major players we have a a prophecy about a one world leader that's going to rise. We have in place vicars or antichrist, so-called popes, uh, popes and pontifices, all pontifices, pontifex maximus. They all point to the sun god and, and idolatry, and they're in place, my friend. Amen. And uh, there are people who believe they can bring a golem to life. Well, there's something that's going to come alive. 
And how? I'm not sure. But wouldn't it be amazing and a major deception for people all over the world to see a false prophet who claims to be a Christian and an antichrist or one world leader who also is promoting Christianity create this image and this image comes to life. They would think, boy, these, these people, they really got the power of God in them. You talk about major deception. I'm just going to tell you right now, you don't have to wait and see an antichrist rise up from the sea Leviathan. You don't have to wait to see the behemoth, the false prophet, rise from the land of Israel. You don't have to wait for him to make a golem for you, for you uh, to see and life placed in that golem to be deceived. You can be deceived right now because there is a major spirit of deception that has crept into Christian. And the masses, I'm telling you, the masses of Christendom are falling for it. They're falling for it. They follow pulpiteers. Do you know the Tower of Babel? I'm telling you, man. Europe has a, as a symbol, as one of its symbols, the Tower of Babel. Europe, I'm talking about Rome. Rome is just Babylon re revived. Its currency has on its currency a beast with a woman riding on the back of it. Its currency already has it. Revelation talked about this seven-headed beast, ten horns with a woman riding on the back of it. Already got it. Are you here? The Tower of Babel. We're going to look at it as we go through the book of Revelation. Tower of Babel, the earth dwellers. The word tower literally means pulpit. And so from pulpits all across the world, the Tower of Babel is already erected. They stand behind the Tower of Babel and they promote a false sense of security to the church. They're lying to the church. They're deceiving the church. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The charismatic movement is setting up the church world today for the Antichrist. This charismatic, peace-giving Christ, kind, tolerant, so-called individual is going to come. The, the charismatic church is setting the world up for it. They will sit on the same platform with a Catholic priest, dialogue with a Catholic priest, promote a Catholic priest. Across the board, New Age, not just Islam, but, you know, Islam... Catholicism, New Age, all promoted by most of the pulpiteers today. Most preachers, you've got to be careful about what you're listening to because most preachers that preach, they have, yeah, they have a measure of power and charisma about them. But as we said concerning Job Wednesday night, where did the wind come from? Where did the inspiration come from? There's a lot of them, man, they're inspired and they're powerful. But where... Is their power coming from? Where is the miracles coming from? Where's the inspiration coming from? What are they saying? Listen to what they're saying. A lot of them are just preaching occultism, New Age philosophy, and psychology. And the church is going, whoa! Are you awake? I'm thank God for the word of the Lord. Now, and I'm going to tell you something. We might not ever be the biggest church in the world. But if just some of us can, can make it, if we enter into this time and we make it because somebody had the guts to tell you the truth, then so be it. Because that's what it's all about.
Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we just praise you right now for your awesome word. We ask you, mighty God, that you'd have your way, Lord Jesus, and in all of our lives. That none of us would ever compromise the word of the living God. Father God, that we would be as the two witnesses, Lord, in the book of Revelation. A corporate body, God, full of truth and power. Fire of the spirit of the living God. Calling people out of apostasy and paganism. Calling people to a life of the overcomer. That they might make it to the throne of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of y'all want to get all the truth you can? I love you. You are dismissed. If it's the will of God next week, I'm going to explain to you in very minute detail the uh, arms, uh, the heraldry of uh, a leader in the world today that is probably the greatest, greatest uh, possibility of the fulfillment of the Antichrist that there's ever been. Amen. He's called Prince Charles, uh, Prince of Wales. Now we'll just qualify this teaching next week. As we go through this heraldry, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind, man. It's almost like a picture drawn for you. Of everything that we just taught, everything we just taught out of the book of Revelation, every detail is in that herald, everything. And it, it just blew my mind last, last night as I, as I just started studying it. But I will say this, if it's not Prince Charles, it could be one of his descendants, one of his sons, one of his relatives. He passes that on down to, okay? So I'm not, as Tim Cohen, uh, Tim Cohen believes 100% it's Prince Charles. But uh, I'm not sure about that because he's getting old. Hallelujah. Yeah, with me still? He's an old guy now, so I'm not real sure. Maybe his sons. Could be him, though. But you're going to see some stuff. If you don't even, if you don't even, if you don't believe it's Prince Charles, you're going to see some stuff that will give you more understanding about the world government, the world leader, and the false prophet that's going to come. Okay? I love you guys a lot. We'll see you tonight. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed.